0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your host, Michael Fragan, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, nachumsegel.com, and on the NSN app. And election day of 2021 is upon us. We're previewing some of the interesting races going on around New York. Uh, Last week, we talked about Nassau County Executive. And this week, we're going to talk about New York City, a bellwether race. Uh, In the 32nd Council District in Queens. You might ask, why are we focusing on a council district in Queens as kind of that bellwether type of? District. I'll give you a couple reasons. Number one is I happen to like the candidate running on the Republican side very much, a good friend, Joanne Ariola. But number two is most of us think the conventional wisdom is that all races in New York City are decided in the Democratic primary. Well, no, that is not the case. There are a couple exciting races going on throughout the city for city council. You have two in Brooklyn, uh, uh, the race to uh, Chaim Deutsch's seat in southern Brooklyn. Uh, There is a Uh, A race also in Bay Ridge, Justin uh, Brannon's uh, seat, Uh, that might be a little less close. But there's also a very competitive race for Republican and Democrat in Staten Island to replace uh, Councilman Matteo. And we will see how that shakes out. A longtime uh, uh, Sal Albanese against David Carr, and there's also a conservative in the race. There's Staten Island Borough President. There are a number of races out there. And why is this important? Because people should know that they should go out and vote They should vote on November the second because it's important to vote no matter what. Don't think that elections don't matter. And for that reason, we are proud to welcome as our guest this morning Joanne Ariola, the Republican candidate for city council in Southern Queens. Joanne, welcome to Spin Class and tell us about the district.
1: Thank you, Michael. As you said, my name is Joanne Ariola. I'm running for city council in my home district 32, which is now held by Eric Ulrich, who is term limited. I have Eric Ulrich's endorsement to, to succeed him in this seat. I've spent decades building positive relationships in the community as a civic leader, and I know how to deliver the district. My, my pathway that I see to victory is that my common sense platform appeals broadly to voters of many political stripes the district itself is democrat and republican there are more democratic enrollees than than republican we have some conservatives and a large number of independents but the common thread that binds each and every one of those enrollments and the demographic which is extremely diverse throughout the district is three things they want safe streets they want to have a good quality of life and they want those are the things that really resonate they're they're against defunding the police further they're against the closing of Rikers they're against uh, you know criminals being put out on the street they believe criminals belong behind bars
0: so Joanne you' you you've touched on a lumber a number of broader themes that are really so important out there to talk about and I think that we are, Uh, as far as defunding the police, as far as uh, Rikers, criminal justice, some of these common sense issues. And it seems, if one would, you know, kind of look at it, that the Democratic nominee, Felicia Singh, has kind of embraced a a more of a far-left platform, which is probably not— well, at least from my point of view, and I don't live in the district— not much in sync with what's been known for, even though it's a Democratic enrollment district. Not in sync with kind of the middle of the road type district, and you know it's interesting. We've, we're seeing that in a number of races throughout the country where the either both parties, but you know in this case Democrats are are going far to the left and not being able to capture moderate voters. Uh, Are you seeing that when you're out there? We're knocking on doors. Tell us about your opponent, I guess.
1: And yes, that's what we're finding. But this district historically has voted for Democrats and Republicans. But the one thing that each of, of those those council members who held the seat had in common was that they were moderates and that they were common sense. Whether it was Walter Ward, Al uh Joe Adabo or Eric Ulrich, they were all moderates. You get a, a candidate like Felicia Singh who says no to specialized educational opportunities for our children, but yes to legalized prostitution and open heroin injection sites. That's not going to resonate in this district. We're not People in this district are not going to fund a vote to to defund the police further one billion dollars they're not going to vote for closing Rikers and although my opponent does not support uh, community jails she does support halfway houses on residential blocks where the inmates would go while awaiting trial or after conviction these are not the things that resonate with the people who live in the 32nd council district no matter what their their uh, ethnic background religious background you know is. These are taxpayers, one and two family homeowners, kids who go to school, they wanna get to work safely, two income families, they want their garbage picked up, they don't want further defunding of the police, they want safety. So the three things that they tell me when I knock on the door, how do you stand on public safety, quality of life, and the education of our kids? And I'm on the right side of those three issues especially, and my opponent is not.
0: You know, it's interesting kind of the before you run, the rural politics is know the district that you're running in. And this happens to be a district, at least Mm -hmm. historically, that is heavy with uniformed services workers, meaning police, firemen or retired police and firemen throughout the district. And I think, you know, how does one go in there with the message of. Defunding and taking away from the public safety budget when you have a district so heavy with that, I guess you know it's kind of a broader question. I'm not asking you to characterize your opponent. What I'm saying is, do you see the people that you talk to, the voters, thinking that the message coming from the Democratic Party, and it's not just on the local level, I think it's coming from Washington as well, as being really disconnected from the common sense reality so in that day to day voters race, are the, facing.
1: The- candidate that's on the democratic line is by no means a democrat she is a democrat socialist and the even the democrats in the district realize that and that's why she has not gained the support of the elected officials who are registered democrats she has not gained their endorsement in this district and that speaks volumes the other thing is is that Felicia Singh is not promoting what the, the community wants. It was said in a tweet by Tiffany Caban and liked by herself and AOC, where it said, Felicia Singh must be elected. She is, she is movement led and, and movement backed. Now we all know what movement is. AOC so, showed us what the movement is. It's the movement towards socialization of America, socialized America socialist control of America. And we're not going to allow that to happen. Felicia Singh is not worried about what she's going to do for the community, the groups that she's going to continue to fund, other groups that she may fund, seeing the community flourish, bringing back the necessary funding we need from city hall. She's worried about promoting the agenda of the far left and if you go to her her webpage that she touts over and over again you'll read it is a playbook from the left and that's what she's concerned about it's as if they picked her purposefully because she lived in the district and would promote the agenda that's not what what that is not what we're going to allow to happen here the people in this district are informed voters they're educated voters and they have crossed party lines before They're not afraid to vote for a Republican, say, in a council race and a Democrat for the for the mayoral race. They've done it before and they will do it this time. And that's what we're hearing. So, you know, I'm very confident going into Election Day and I'm confident that my message is the one that resonates. And Felicia is tone deaf and out of touch with the people that she seeks to represent. And I use seeks in quotation marks.
0: Uh, understood. Well, actually, that's a great segue to my next question: Is what do you say to those who say, "Well, Queens is changing; it's multi-ethnic. It's we need somebody who's representative of the new Queens as opposed to the old Queens." And I, I personally, kind of abhor the idea that we group everybody by ethnicity, and you can only be represented well by somebody from your own uh, tribe. But, uh, but what do you? But what do you say to that? Uh, to that. I guess, approach. I mean, it's, you know, this, this whole race-based or ethnic-based approach to politics and that you can only, and that you represent the old guard and the old way of doing things. And we have to make way for the, for this, you know, new, more ethnic I think that that, that uh, also of comes politics. out in the playbook
1: of the left. I have widespread support throughout all the different, um, uh, ethnic backgrounds, religious backgrounds throughout this district. And in fact, when I met with the Sikh community just recently for their endorsement, they put up a post that said, we need to vote for people who hold our ideals for public safety, for quality of life, for a children's education. And we cannot just blindly vote because we share a heritage. That message was also was also shared by the the jewish community within the the district the uh the the guyanese community both hindu and christian throughout the district so again i say our voters are really looking at the person that's why this seat was both republican and democrat over the years it was never about the party they look to see what you stand for and if it matches their ideology That's who they're going to vote for. And Felicia Singh, even in her own community that she feels that she can represent better because she is of their heritage. That's just nonsense. That's just nonsense. What you need is a person who is going to fight for the same ideals, both morally and politically, that you believe in at City Hall.
0: So, Joanne, we do Mm -hmm. focus on Jewish issues here on this show to the extent possible. And while this is not known as a Jewish district per se, uh, there definitely are uh, Jewish communities throughout the district. Your opponent, uh, it's kind of difficult to pin down, but at least was reported uh, that she is actually pro-BDS, that she supports the movement to boycott Israel, I assume she's loaded up on Ben and Jerry's recently because of that. Uh, <laughs> I like to talk the ice cream thing. I think it's a it's a great. Uh, uh, but at I think that you know it, it's kind of un, it's unclear. She she told a reporter, well, she's not she doesn't think that Israel issues are relevant, but at the same time she also you know, is not disavowing uh, boycotting Israel. I'm not sure it's the top of the list necessarily when you speak to every voter out there. But uh, to what extent does that represent something that is a growing a growing movement within New York City politics that I I, I guess it was it used to be the death of any politician or the end of their career to not in New York to not be supporting Israel. And now it almost seems fashionable within the Democratic Party well, to no longer be She absolutely be supportive supports of
1: BDS. Israel. She has had those conversations and in my opinion that has is really the main reason that our elected officials in this district have not come out to support her. Again, in my opinion, but she has been vocal about it privately. During the primary, she was much more vocal in print. In fact, Rabbi Avram Richter from the Chabad here in Howard Beach posted recently a, a, a posting from Felicia saying where Eric Adams in the primary is is um, you know so saying he openly supports Israel and will always stand with the Jewish community, and she calls for. Anyone in the the other ethnic communities who may not agree to rescind their endorsement of him. So that says a lot, and you know, so and and the rabbi put that up on Facebook and and tagged a number of people so that they could see. So so no, she, yes, because to of his the endorsement support
0: of Eric Adams
1: for Israel, she and the Jewish community.
0: Wow, for, for so because of mm-hmm. Ezra. Because of Eric, I just wanted to review that, just to be clear. So, because the primary, Eric yes. Adams was supportive of Israel, Felicia Singh called on other Correct. on others to so, rescind their so, endorsement of him. Wow,
1: who, who did she I support for mayor in the I believe she was more towards Yang, but um, you, you know, she it, I'm sure she thought Maya Wiley was a good a good okay. candidate as well.
0: Yeah okay fascinating. So, so
1: the I, other I, thing is I, I, even you, though, you know you make a very good point in saying that that although we have uh, we don't have a large jewish community within the 32nd council district we still have you know members of the jewish faith who live within the district so if if you're not if you're not going to, to represent all the different people in your district whether it's the jewish community or the italian community which we know she doesn't support because she wants to remove you know uh um columbus statue from columbus circle and you know she said to me She said in a debate, well, well, my opponent is worried about removing, you know, a statue. We have bigger things in this city. No, it's not about that. It's about erasing history, whether it's whether it's the Holocaust or it's or it's it's 9-11 or it's it's, you know, a Columbus statue or what's happening at City Hall right now with Thomas Jefferson. So, you know, these are the things I so I say, where does it end? Do we now not call the nation's capital, you know, uh, Washington? So, you know, where does it end? So that's why I say she's out of touch. She's tone deaf. She doesn't really know that it doesn't matter if it is a larger demographic or a small pocket of constituents. They are all your constituents and you must represent all of them. And if you have a disdain for a certain group, you really cannot represent them.
0: So, Joanne, if elected, uh, I think what, well, let me let me actually ask the question a different way. Uh, your opponent's argument will be, well, better to have a Democrat because at most there might be four Republicans in the city council. Most likely, there'll be you know three, but it's possible there might even be two. Uh, you're greatly outnumbered. You're vastly outnumbered. Democrats can deliver for the district. Republicans cannot. The
1: argument is absolutely unfounded. Why? Because the money is, is divvied out through delegation. So everybody gets a fair share of the pot as far as what you can get for discretionary money and incentive money. Now, beyond that, having a good relationship with, with other members of the city council, like Bob Holden, who has also endorsed me, uh, it, you can really, what we're looking to do is create a common sense caucus once we get there. Remember, there are other members who are not term limited or will win their seats again that are not far to the left. You know, we want to make sure that there is a common sense caucus that can really vote, you know, in a block to make sure that we can bring back what we need for our districts. But as far as the money, that's divvied out equally. You know, the days of having, you know, speakers having a pet are over. It really everything, and because of that, they now divvy it up. And I had conversation with Councilmember Ulrich over and over about this. But what we do need is someone who has a strong voice for what we we can bring back, because if I'm if you have someone who's there who's wishy washy on certain funding for certain organizations that have been doing a fantastic job in helping the community, then no, they're not going to get the funding that they need. If the if you have an elected official in in the city council who thinks we should put more money in just dis, from discretionary and incentive money, take it out of food pantries who are trying to end food insecurity that we see throughout the district, and put it towards social programs to remove police from the street and replace them with violence interrupters and social workers then no so i think i can actually get more back from my community than felicia singh can because i believe in all the things that are necessary for this community and felicia singh does not
0: Okay, Joanne. Last question for you. Uh, give us an idea of what do you think you know, turnout is going to be like in the district, um, given you know the way uh, uh, you know, given that uh, there for a lot of voters they don't feel the same is at stake this year as there was last year potentially, and because so many voters have this idea that everything is decided in the Democratic primaries. Uh, what do you think? This uh this race is gonna end up th- as how many. I think that, that think it will be a low turnout district?
1: because the top of the ticket is all but decided in the mayoral race. I think that people also are suffering from voter apathy. What we've been doing is a large outreach, both by direct mail, social media, you know, text messaging, knocking on doors to tell people that you have to come out if for nothing else for this race. This race and on New York One last night they said Democrats will win decidedly throughout the borough of Queens and the city of New York in council races, except for the 32nd council district, that's still up in the air, we shall see. And I'm gonna tell you that that that's why they're not claiming victory here, because they know this is a district that is not gonna really, really subscribe to the playbook of the left. But we have to pull our voter. We have to make sure that if there are three voters in a house, all three get out to vote, five, the same. It, absentee ballots have to be sent in. If your your kid is off at college, make sure that absentee ballot is, is sent in. Now we can only do it in person. So it, you could go to my website, com, and we can make sure there's a phone number there. You call the number. We'll make sure that you get an absentee ballot. Uh, you can send it to your, your kid that's you know away, and then he can send it back, and we'll make sure that we pick it up and it gets sent again and, and sent right to the Board of Elections, but every single vote counts. We're looking at this race as if Felicia Singh and I are in a dead heat, and we're not taking anything for granted. So we need you to vote. We need you to get out and vote. We need your family to get out and vote. We need you to t- go to your contacts, call your neighbors, call your relatives, tell them to get out and vote, whether, there's, whether it's sunny or it's miserable out like today. People have to vote. It's the only way we lose this seat is if our voters don't turn out, thinking that I have it in the bag. I don't have it in the bag. We need to fight to keep this seat for the way it is for, the, for our families, for our kids, for our grandchildren.
0: Okay, well, I think that message should be strong no matter where you live. Uh, people should not take the vote for granted. People should go out and vote, get educated, Understand that elections are sometimes decided by single digits, double digits, uh, not that much. Every single vote counts. In fact, uh, I need we don't need to look that far back to the Democratic primary for district attorney in Queens, where that was a race yes. decided, I think, by forty Absentee something ballots. votes, right, Joanne? I mean, these are these are races that literally Absolutely. So uh, if you're there and you're listening, you know, you're listening to this show regularly, you live in Bell Harbor, Neponset, Howard Beach, Richmond Hill, where uh, there are lots of uh, from Jews living, we should make sure that people get mobilized, tell your friends, tell your relatives, go out and vote. Uh, And in fact, if you live anywhere in the city, or if you live anywhere in the country, uh, usually there's some election on the ballot on election day. Uh, we highlighted the Nassau County races last week. It's really important, November 2nd, Tuesday. In, in New York, you can already vote early. If you live in Virginia, you could have voted for a month already. If you live in New Jersey, get out and vote. There's a lot at stake. It's it's real. It, it's meaningful. And these are the people that actually decide what kind of way of life we have uh Ariola? thank you so much thank for giving you so us much. your time and good luck on the campaign trail and being the comment, the common sense representative i hate the fact that common sense somehow became a dirty word in politics uh you know it used to be that we all wanted to have some kind of common sense but yet in some quarters uh, people see that as uh, something dangerous to their their agendas thank you so thank you once again and uh We hope uh, we wish you best of luck. Hope to have you back uh, uh, potentially after election day. Be well. And this is spin class with your host, Michael Fragan. And as we close the show before election day, election day, Tuesday, Tuesday coming up November 2nd. Okay. Always the first Tuesday, November, but of course we have early voting in Virginia. I know we keep talking about Virginia, but that is the marquee race going on in the country is the bellwether. That is really what we see, whether essentially Biden will have a one-year presidency that will kind of portend whether the Republicans will sweep into power in the midterms in 2022. Uh, people have been voting for six weeks already, essentially, and um, I think as of, well, as the last stats I saw, as of yesterday, 667,000 Virginians, that was three and a half times more than in 2017, that was the last gubernatorial race, have given in early ballots. Uh, Most of them have been Democrats. That's 667,000, okay? Fewer than 190,000 in 2017. And uh, the prognosticators are saying 55% are likely Democrats, 30% are likely Republicans. What does that mean? Well, Virginia actually does not have track party registration. So you can be either one when you go about it. I know everybody likes to say, oh, we are identified as this and identified as this. It's not so easy in some states where they don't track party registration. But the interesting thing, of course, about early voting is... It makes it all, all the much easier for campaigns to target you, to basically say, hey, you didn't vote yet. Send you mail, phone call, text message, email, Facebook message. Say, you didn't vote yet. Every day they're collecting the data about who voted and who did not so that they can try and get people to the polls. And I think that that is a real that is a real advantage for the party that has a deeper pool of voters that you can get the more casual voter to come out. Now, what are we learning right now from the fact that this is so, so close? Well, my theory, and I, I've seen it around a little bit, but you know, I've been talking about this with people for a couple weeks now, is that while the Democrats are cheering the idea that President Trump or former President Trump, whatever you want to call it, President Trump, is not on social media, is not on Facebook. He's especially not on Twitter. They cheer the idea. Okay, he's out. We don't have to listen to him anymore. I feel that the amount of oxygen that he would consume with his tweets and with his messages, how outlandish sometimes they are, it has served to focus sole attention on Joe Biden and the Democrats' essential ineptitude in Washington in passing anything, in getting their infrastructure and their human infrastructure, whatever you want to call it, the $3.5 trillion boondoggle, passed. Everybody focuses on Biden. Everybody's focusing on this administration. They're focusing on gas prices and inflation and supply chain. If you recall in the old heady days where President Trump was on Twitter, every day would be consumed by the things that he would say, and then the reaction, and the reaction to the reaction, and that was it. And everybody was focused, and many independent voters, as we know from 2020, were, and 2018 for that matter, were turned off, particularly voters in the suburbs, particularly the voters that Democrats need in a place like Virginia in order to win. Now, even we see the New Jersey race is closer than expected. While Phil Murphy is still expected to win re-election, some polls have the Republican down by five or so points. Again, I think be careful what you wish for. Be careful with the idea that you want to get rid of President Trump entirely, because the way in which he would take the oxygen and the media attention from President Biden... I think would be advantageous right now, given the predicament that the Democrats find themselves of being unable to govern with their slim majority and being unable to govern with being at war against themselves between the progressives and the moderates. So that's just my theory right now. Um, You know, Democrats... You know, they say there's an organized party and then there are Democrats. Uh, I think we see that right now, just this total inability to get things done in Washington. And that's really why a lot of people wanted to elect Joe Biden. They thought it was competent. It was a team. They were the experienced hands. They weren't going to mess it up. By and large, well, uh, it's been a little bit underwhelming. Well, get out there and vote, my friends. It's important. It's critical. It matters. It matters. There are close races uh, throughout New York, certainly New Jersey. You have the governor's race. Uh, as I said, Virginia elsewhere. There's check. We'll see what's on the ballot. And the big news actually coming out in anticipation of Election Day 2021 is for 2022, Attorney General Tish James looks like she was has an imminent announcement to run for governor. That is going to be some primary on the Democratic side. You have Governor, current governor, Kathy Hochul. You have Jumani Williams. You have Tom Suozzi. You have Bill de Blasio also looking to run. It's going to be a fun, fun field for 2022. So we will see you next week on the other side of Election Day. 2021, figuring out what lessons we can learn from that. That's it for Spin Class here on the Nachum Siegel Network. See you next week. Stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Josephs and don't forget to vote.